Welcome to the Nova Church's podcast. We are a vibrant, dynamic, multicultural church in Alexandria, Virginia. Join us at 11 a.m. on Sundays. For more information, go to www.thenovachurch.com. We're excited to share this week's message with you. God bless. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 4, I want to read one verse of scripture, and we are going to see what God will do today, amen. I want to share with you what the Lord has put on my heart, I want to share with you a lesson that my pastor taught me and shared and has helped guide and direct and will keep somebody say Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Everybody say every word. That proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. Amen. Turn to two or three people, smile at them real big and say every word. Or if you want to have it with some slang, say every, 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 every. That's a southern draw, airy, airy, airy word. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to, amen. Not going to preach long today for the sake of time, baptismal Sunday, uh, but I do want, to, do want to bring to you what God has put on my heart specifically for today. A few years ago, there was a trend that was taking the church world by storm, if you will. It was really, in retrospect, the merging of a new generational thinking that was clashing with traditional paradigms, and sometimes those things parallel. However, there are times where a newer generational thinking comes into play, And it completely clashes with what the Bible says and what the Bible goes with. Sometimes this is where society and societal thinking can really be dangerous and detrimental. And it can even have an attack on your faith. It could cause people to use the terminology and say, my faith is transformed. My faith is being moved to a different things. And you'll begin to question things that maybe have never been a question. And to summarize this, there is two different types of thinking. Now, I will tell you, uh, there is a new teenagers and young adults, millennials, if you will, have adopted and moved beyond this current thinking, which thankfully is where we're going to go. But the current thinking that I am talking about really is a summary of postmodernism if I could just kind of lay a foundation today. And the postmodernism type of mentality is dangerous because the theory was is that there's no absolute truth. Now, in today's culture, millennials and teenagers have shifted beyond this postmodern thinking, and I'm not going to talk about this today, but they've shifted to thinking, we believe that there's truth, but you you cannot define what truth is for me. I will define what it is, but I believe that there does need to be some form of truth or lines. 
a few years ago, the dangerous detriment said there's no such thing as absolute. Absolute is arbitrary, and absolute truth really is this absence of anything that can define me. There is no line. There is no rule. There is no guide. There is nothing of that sort. And sadly, the modern American church was distinguished by this new found thinking of what they realized was an absence of definitive doctrine. And churches began to embrace the philosophy of a doctrine. They referred to it and labeled it as an emerging new doctrine. And it was an absence of doctrine altogether. And they said nothing is absolute. No doctrine is essential. In other words, there's no word that is truly definitive, even in the word of God. Now the problem is, is because that completely contradicts with your faith, that would say that that means because there's no absolutes, that, that would mean that I will define what really is true. I will define what the Bible says. I will be the ultimate judge and jury and executioner of whatever I want to live by. It goes much more beyond than just a buffet Christian that will pick and choose. It will say, no, I will just pick and choose for me, and I will be the only one that makes that decision. In other words, their thinking is nothing is absolute, no doctrine is essential. The Godhead, not essential. Biblical salvation, eh, whatever you want it to be. Holiness, doesn't matter. The second coming of Jesus, eh, it may or may not happen. The virgin birth, eh, we don't even know if it's real. Those are the types of thinkings and thoughts that people would begin to say. Even the Bible itself was not considered the final authority. The final authority would be, however, I interpreted the word of God. Those who embraced this thinking uh, made a choice. And, and really the choice is, is that I am not going to be tied to doctrine. Uh, in this time and season years ago, it was beginning to question and figure out, you know, what is doctrine? Is doctrine outdated? Could doctrine change? Does the word of God move and shift and mold to culture? The answer in every question would be no. It does not do that. Society does not determine the word of God. Somebody say amen. And some churches would begin to adopt this thinking because it sounds really good. Instead of preaching the word of God, they would preach topical sermons. You ever find a clip on your feed of Facebook? Now, we're just going to say, of course, you wouldn't post anything like this, but would you ever find a clip on Facebook and you hear the preacher preaching about something say, how in the world is he even talking about that? I don't even understand how he got to that subject. Some of you may feel like I do that sometimes. Those of you that are laughing, you're guilty. I see it now. You're marked people. See, that was a trap. Got you, right? Now, what we know is, is this is that in that context that there are people that said, I'm no longer going to preach the word of God. I'm going to preach what's topical. I'm going to preach what I feel I want to do. And that's where they would start to preach on what's going on at the movies. Anybody ever seen a sermon series at another church? Hollywood, what's going on in the movies? And hey, what's going on in the news? And, and they would open up their deal and they would give a report and try to tie this in. The problem is, is they would begin to neglect the word of God. And some churches said, well, this is what people want to hear. If people want to hear this, 
I'll talk about it. And they would begin to say, oh, that's... And then some people would say, I don't want to preach doctrine. I'm not going to talk about that. Let me just say this right now. Is that we've got to be careful to turn our backs, not to turn our backs on the Word of God. We cannot lay, uh, lay aside revelation. We can't lay aside the Word of God. and We can't lay aside what God's message for me is in my hour. And, and I'm here today to tell you that if we're ever going to draw a line in the sand, it must not be drawn just from a pastor's sake or from a church's sake, but it's got to be drawn as an individual's sake that I will follow the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28 says, Remove not the ancient, the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. It's a dangerous practice for a church to stop preaching and teaching on doctrine. For Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, the famous preacher of London, said, Nothing makes a man so virtuous as belief of truth. For a lying doctrine will soon beget a lying practice. And a man cannot have an erroneous belief without by and by having an erroneous life. Churches and people and saints that turn their back on doctrine is actually a sign of the end times. Can I be a witness, somebody? If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. I want you to open these scriptures up. In fact, if you're taking notes, you should underline this and you should write this down because I want to show you the, the importance and the vitalness of what the Bible says of why is pastor fired up this morning? Why is he really, really passionate about this doctrine? Well, let me show you what the Word of God says and I think you will join me in my my ever-growing passion for doctrine. Second Timothy chapter 4, we find in Second Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy. And in the fourth chapter, this is his second letter, he's giving Timothy a warning. He's giving Timothy instructions and he's saying, hey, be careful. In Second Timothy 4 and 3, the Bible says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust." shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned unto fables. Let me tell you something. That's why we've got to be careful not just to say, Pastor, preach me something cute today. Pastor, preach me something that sounds good. Pastor, I want to know five steps so I can get wealthier. Eight steps to happiness or ten steps to a prosperous life. Hear me today. We've got to be careful not to fall into a psychology type preaching. But Pastor, preach me the word of God. Pastor, give me what the Bible says. I don't want to just be get sounds good, but God, I want something that I can live by because I want to follow that. I don't just want something that's going to make me feel great. But God, give me your word today. I believe that ought to be our prayer And when we're reading our devotions is God, speak the word to me. God, give me your word for my life. God, give me something. Even if it may not sit well, even if it hurts a little bit, can I get a witness? Somebody, you got to say, give me some word. God, speak to me today. Sometimes what we need is some surgery. Some of y'all need some major surgery. Some of us just need minor surgery. Some of you think you don't need surgery, but you probably do. But sometimes surgery hurts. It cuts. It, 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 it causes some recovery. 
it causes some restoration, right? But the point of surgery is it's there to fix something that is not right. It's there to repair something that has gone wrong. It's there to rehabilitate something that is not operating as expected to. That's what the Word of God does. The Word of God begins to dig deep and to repair and to fix. For we know the famous quote of Henry Bone that said, The devil entangles youth with beauty. He entangles the miser with gold. He entangles the ambitious with power. And he entangles the learned with false doctrine. Let me tell you something. That, that is the scary part. Is that sometimes people become so learned for their own good. That they will refuse to see what the word of God says. In fact, if I may today, I, we have to be careful not just to follow what pastor preaches. You can all say amen. But that's why when I give you a scripture, you ought to look it up in the Bible and say, what's the word say? Not just what's pastor telling me, but what's the word say? Is that what the Bible says? Do I need to underline that in my Bible? Do I see it for the word of God? Because if it's the word of God, then it's stand and it's true. And it can't just be manipulated or shifted for however I want. We have to be careful of that. In fact, to be honest with you, there's a lot of good people who have been deceived by tying themselves into a doctrine that is not always biblically sound. Can I be real today? There's been a lot of people that have abused and manipulated religion because they have created a doctrine of things that should have never been and begin to justify and manipulate things that they thought, hey, this is okay, when in all reality they're promoting evil. Did you know that part of some of the greatest tragedies of our human history have been people that have created doctrines that are not sound because they've manipulated things that should have never been manipulated. Can I get a witness, somebody? You may say, Pastor, why is doctrine important? Because did you know that it was actually the Church of Germany that started embracing Nazism and then allowed that to come to fruition? And they said, whoa, 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 uh, who'd have guessed murdering was wrong? I don't know. Maybe if we would have died and realized, we said, no, no, that's not the right thing. Do you know that there were people in, in uh, pre-Civil War that used uh, plantation owners that used the Bible as their justification for slavery is okay? And to treat people wrong, even though the Bible's clearly something different. Can I get a witness, somebody? It's amazing how many people that are cult leaders that will tell them, hey, this is what you've got to do, and this is the way you've got to go. Let me just tell you something. Be careful of people that are turn unto fables and people that will turn unto itching ears and say, no, I like what they're saying there. I like that TV preacher. I like that radio preacher. I like because it sounds good, but does it line up to the word of God? And I'm telling you that as a preacher that it doesn't matter whoever it is including your own pastor you've got to get in the word of God and make sure it's in the word of God and I don't know how many preachers will tell you that but I'm an honest preacher and that's why I tell you get in the word of God you ought to bring your Bible to church to look at the word of God and say what's pastor preaching today is that really what's in there can I get a witness somebody here's the reason why Absolutely nobody has the right to water down the Word of God. Nobody has the right to modify the Word of God. Nobody has the right to change the Word of God to fit their own persuasion. Nobody has the right to say, no, I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to do that Word of God. Nobody has the right to do such. For Romans chapter 3 and 3 through 4 in your Bibles, 
Romans chapter 3, 3 through 4 says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. Bible believers must take a stand for truth. And everybody say amen. We cannot afford the luxury of sitting back, being unmoved, being not caring, being indifferent, or being silent. Hear me today. You may think, Pastor, is this really serious? The answer is absolutely. It's of utmost importance. For let's go through some scriptures together in your Bibles. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8. These are some New Testament scriptures. So if you're looking these up on your app or in your Bible or on your phone, you will find. And if you don't have your Bible, download the Bible app. In today's day and age, there is no excuse for anybody not to have access to the Bible. It is, it is, I'll even go a step further, and this is my personal persuasion. It is negligent as a Christian if you don't have access to a Bible somewhere. You have smartphones, you've got a Bible, there's so many Bibles. Back in the day, they would beg for the opportunity of access that we have today. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8. The Apostle Paul, preaching to the church of Galatia, says it like this. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. In other words, he said, hey, it's that important. I don't care if it's an angel, or some other person, or somebody that's got a new revelation. It does not matter that. He said, if they preach anything else, let him be accursed. Watch this, Second John, the gospel, not the gospel, the book, Second John, that's towards the end of your Bibles. First John, Second John, Third John. Second John, chapter 1 and verse 10 says it like this. If there come any unto you, bring and bring not this doctrine. Receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. We've got to be careful of what we allow inside. We've got to be careful of what we allow ourselves to listen to. There is a powerful Old Testament story, and I'm wrapping up. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready towards landing the plane. Somebody say amen. There is a powerful Old Testament story. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. And I don't hear this preached a whole lot, but I think it's so applicable into this scenario. In 1 Kings chapter 8, there's a story of the Old Testament that powerful depicts the point and the message this morning that pastor's trying to tell you. For in 1 Kings 8 and 9, the Bible says that there was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel and when they came out of the land of Egypt. Let me set the stage for you. We know from a few weeks ago that we've been going through and we talked about praying the tabernacle where there's the outer courts and the holy place and the holy of holies. And in the holy of holies was God saying, I'm going to dwell among my people and the ark of the covenant is significant of the presence of God. And that ark of covenant, they would say, hey, this is the presence of God. They'd take the ark into battle. They'd take the ark over. And they would say, this is the manifest presence of God. This is God in a box. This is really what you would like to have in your house, right? This is the symbol. This is the manifest presence of God. And we find 
that the Philistines capture the ark. And in 1 Kings 8 and 9, the Philistines take the ark from Ebenezer to Ashdod and they set it up in the temple of Dagon. And the people of Ashdod were intrigued with the contents because it was told that the children of Israel could not be defeated as long as they possessed the ark. Can I put this into some applicable modern context? Not all at once, I know. You are just hanging on my every word, right? Watch this. Can you imagine you're fighting an enemy and they always beat you? And they say, if you take their secret sauce, they can no longer beat you. Wouldn't you be like, what do I need to do? Now, I will go a little bit more applicable if you want to put this into some modern context of Avengers or superheroes or bad guys or Star Wars or whatever your thing is. I don't really know Game of Thrones, but whatever it is, I'm sure you can apply this. Can you imagine your enemy has this thing? And if you got the thing, they could no longer beat you. The whole plot of whatever story, insert here, would be they've lost the item and now the bad guy wins. The Philistines get this item. They get the Ark of the Covenant. And as they do this, they open the Ark of the Covenant and they wanted its power. But the problem is the Philistines wrongly assumed the contents that the Ark would make them strong. So they get this secret thing. And they open it up. And inside the ark, if you're following with me, the ark has three main contents. And if you're taking notes, it has a pot of manna. It has Aaron's rod that budded. And it has the, ta the tables of stone. It has three of these items here. Now, each of those items are symbolic of a lot of different things. Can pastor preach for just a moment and, and drop you a little filet mignon today? I'm not giving you just a Whopper from Burger King. I'm not giving you an impossible meat, some fake burger. I'm going to drop a little bit of real word to you this morning. Somebody say preach, pastor. So watch this. Let's dive a little bit into the deep end of the pool. The Ark of the Covenant is there. And as the Ark of the Covenant is there, they've got these three items here. And as the three items are there, they open it up in the pot of manna. Ash, the pot of manna, symbolizes God's power to sustain his people. For we know that manna was given by God. It was created. It supplied. And the Philistines heard the stories about how God provides for his people. Can I just say, God still provides for his people today. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you need. I serve a God that can meet your needs. I serve a God that can touch whatever you've got. If you've got a bill, you've got a need, or you, I'm here today to tell you, God can supply every need, and that's the word of God. And they heard the enemies heard, man, I don't know how these people, three million people are living out in the desert. I don't know how these people have survived for 40 years in the wilderness. But this God will somehow make it rain manna where they go out in the morning and there'd be bread there. Can you imagine just the logistics of that? Will you? We have tough time, which our church picnic is coming up here in a few weeks. Sister Carrie can help that, right? bestpotluck.com, potluck, bring your potluck, I don't know. Go somewhere, sign up, it'll be fun, right? This should be actually a little insert announcement here. By the way, yeah, we're very excited about our church picnic in a few weeks, right? Three weeks, four weeks, it's coming up. That probably should have been an announcement today. That means if you show up here on Sunday morning, we ain't going to be here, dog. We're going to be at our church picnic, right? 
And so FYI, I should tell you that now, because I love you. You're going to be dressed up in your suit and tie, and we're going to be out playing cornhole and eating hot dogs somewhere, right? It's what we do every year, which let me just tell you that. Some of you think, why would you do that? It's a great opportunity for you to bring your friends to a non-church event and start to get them acclimated. There'll be a lot of times people would love to go to church. They just don't know anybody, and so they're scared to go. So we do our church picnic every year. Can you imagine just the logistics of feeding 3 million people every morning? Manna rains from heaven. They walk out. You wake up. Here's the morning. Hey, there's lunch and breakfast. Now it's the same yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and the the day before that, but hey, here's manna, right? There's manna. The Philistines heard the testimonies. They heard how God provides for his people, that their clothes never wore out, that their shoes never wore out, which that's a miracle. Can I get a witness, somebody? Now, some of you, you've got hundreds of pairs of shoes just because you're shoeaholics, but for me, I burn shoes out like they're going out of business, dog. About every year, I've got holes in my shoes, and then I can't find shoes I like, so I continue to wear shoes. These are good shoes, so I'm telling on myself at the moment, but there's been times I've worn holes in my dress shoes for six, nine months because I can't find a pair I like. They didn't wear out of shoes for 40 years. That's the time. They, they heard, hey, God creates water from a rock and manna every morning and quail. It's the pot of manna that was in the ark that symbolized God's power to sustain his people. But then the second thing was Aaron's rod symbolized the miracle power of God for they heard about Israel's miraculous deliverance from Egypt's bondage of the 10 plagues and the Red Sea and defeating Pharaoh's army. They heard the stories of how Aaron's rod was involved in most of the miracles. The Philistines, they were not, they weren't uh, negligent. They weren't ignorant of these stories. They knew that that rod in the ark was symbolic of God's miracles and the powers. So what did they do? They removed the manna which was the sustenance, and they removed Aaron's rod. In 1 Kings 8 and 9, look at what your Bible says. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone. They left the stone in the ark. What's the tables of stone? Where God commanded the people, the Ten Commandments. The word of God they did not want, and so they put to the side. Can I get a witness, somebody? You feel, some of y'all are catching where I'm about to preach on this. The Philistines said, oh, when we are taking inventory on what's important, they decided, hey, we're going to leave in the ark the very thing that could have made them stronger. They said, oh, uh, well, we're willing to take provision, and, and we're willing to take miracles, but we can begin to leave the word of God. We don't really need that. But that's what we find in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus echoed the the words, man shall not live by bread alone. He shall not live just by provision and what God can do for them. Can I get a witness of it? I just can't live by what God's given me and what God's going to give me. But what I need is I'm going to live by the word and every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The word of God was doctrine and it does not go out of style. It does not change with times. It does not need improving and it does not need overhauling. For the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word Words shall not pass away. Hear me today. Doctrine is important. I want to see miracles. Can I get a witness, somebody? I want to see God provide. But I want the word of God just as much as miracles and signs and wonders and what God can do for me. I want the word of God. That's why we push the word of God. 
That's why we push Bible quizzing. That's why we push Bible study. That's why we push groups on Wednesdays and Tuesdays to learn the Word of God. That's why we ought to bring our Bible to church. That's why we ought to get in the Word of God on Monday or Tuesday or Thursday or Friday. We ought to get into the Word of God. Turn the Word of God on in your car while you're driving to work while you're on the metro instead of listening to the music or listening to the podcast I wonder what would happen if you listened to a little bit of the word of God if you started your day out right with the word of God instead of getting into your news feed and getting into what's going on I wonder what would happen and how your day would change if we began to put a priority on the word of God for everything we do we can't be tossed about with every wind of doctrine but we've got to be solid in our worship, in our prayers, in our faith, in our giving, in our evangelism. All must be built upon sound doctrine. For Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 and 20 says it like this, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And man, I could preach a whole message about that and one day I will, but I don't have time for the sake right now. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 says it like this. Therefore, Paul telling the church, do you realize why this is mostly New Testament? Because a lot of times we find that in the Old Testament, if I could perhaps challenge your mindset, the Old Testament is written primarily to God's people, the Jews, which they all fundamentally agreed the word of God is true. They just didn't always obey and follow the word of God. And oftentimes they lacked a relationship with the word of God and a relationship with God that they just said, oh, I'm going to go serve an idol over here. They never debated the validity of the word of God. But when you fast forward into the New Testament, Paul is dealing with an entirely set, a new set of problems of different thinking as churches are popping up in Galatia and Corinth and Thessalonica. And he's dealing with the church of Rome that's dealing with these different competing mindsets that would begin to say, oh, you can't do this, and oh, you can't do that, and oh, you can't do this. Let me just tell you something. You ought to be careful of what other mindsets you allow into your home, into your life, where they will sound a little bit of Bible, but they're not all Bible-based. Can I preach on that for a second? Well, pastor, if it's some Bible, isn't it good? Well, perhaps. But what happens when they start to put in the stuff that's corrupting that. That would be the equivalent, if I may, of the context would be uh, if I gave you a, 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 a pan of brownies, right? Where's Preston at? My, my chief baker, right? I gave you a pan of brownies. I say, oh, it's great. Don't worry. Now, I'm not a good chef. I'll probably mess it up somehow. But I tried to follow the directions. But don't worry. Uh, I did go outside, and I found a little bit of dog poop I put in there. But don't worry. I stirred it in good. It's going to be fine. Would you eat the brownies? Absolutely not. Why? Even if it's just a little bit. Because it corrupts the whole thing. The same thing that we do with our food. And, and there's times you ever go into a place. It's about to get real up in here. And you just realize like, mm, I have stepped in this place and I feel dirty. Can I get a witness? 
and there will be people that it's, it's the hole in the walls. You ever heard this when we say that? Sometimes you just walk in, you'd be like, I feel like I just need to like Lysol myself right now before I take another step to sit down, right? Mm, I'm by myself apparently. Can I get a witness, right? And you may not go to those places, but sometimes when I'm traveling, somebody will take me to a hole in the wall place. You'll just walk in, you'll be like, you really meant hole in the wall. Like, not just, like, off the beaten path. This is like, yo, when was our last health inspection, right? There are times where we don't have that same mentality with our, our, the word of God, with our view on doctrine. And Paul is beginning to deal with these outside mindsets. And these people that are telling them, oh, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that either. You don't need to keep that the way it is. You don't need to follow that. Or, you ready for this? He dealt with an entirely different group of people because there's two types of different people that Paul deals with. He deals with the people that say, you don't need to do this. No big deal. Don't care. Doesn't matter. Live however you want. They're called the Nicolaitans. Read it in Revelation. Woo, glory. I could preach somebody up in here on that. The, the Nicolaitans, they said, you don't need to do this. Everything's fine. Grace is fine. You're covered. Live however you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then there's an entirely group of different people who are so strict that says, no, you've got to live solely by the law. Everything's by the law. Even though we're now, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're in this uh, new Jesus thing, they had a pharisaical mindset that said, everything we do has to be by the law. And they begin to go back and forth. And Paul's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't be too far this way. You can't be too far that way. They're trying to go off an old thing and neglect new. They're trying to say nothing doesn't matter. What you got to do is you've got to find the word of God and the doctrine in which God says. And that's where Paul tells in 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. Therefore, my, belo my beloved brethren, he tells them, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And that's where he says you've got to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 or 4, watch what Paul tells Timothy. Now remember, he told Timothy in 2 Timothy, he repeats it in his in his. his preceding letter when he says in 1 Timothy 1, 3 and 4. Watch what happens. In 1 Timothy 1, the very first thing Paul tells Timothy in his first letter, three verses in, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. I'm Paul. I miss you. And then watch what he says in verse 3. Charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables or endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. Paul is telling Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine and continue in them. For in doing this, you shall save yourself and then that hear you. Let's all stand. I'm done. I'm way over. Here's what I know. Is that I've got to live by the word of God. And doctrine does not move. It does not persuade. It does, it does not be persuaded by the things and culture and things of time. If it's in the word of God, I want to follow the word of God. And it doesn't matter other people's opinions. 
Can I get a witness, somebody? If it's in the word of God, that's what I want to follow. And I hate to say it to you like this and, and uh, everybody smile at me real big because it's still a day of celebration. I know this is an intense message. Somebody smile at me and say, yes, pastor. Amen. Here's what I know today is that as I follow the word of God, why is it important? I will be judged by the word of God. Not the words of pastor, not the words of my friends, not the words of culture or social media or politics, none of that. What I will be judged before and what you will be judged before is when we stand before God, he's going to say, here's the word. How'd you line up? And that's a real thought. That's why it's so important. Because the danger of deception is that you don't know you're deceived. You think everything's okay. It doesn't matter what people tell you. It doesn't matter what people say, what people do. You think everything's good. Uh, a couple weeks ago while we were in Florida, my daughter, we told her from a previous vacation that we had gone, my in-laws live in St. Petersburg, which is right there on the Gulf. They live like 10 minutes from the beach. Hard life, I know. No wonder why they don't want to come up here, right? And, and as they're there, my daughter says, Can, are we going to the beach? Oh, do we have to? So my wife said, why don't you take her and I'll stay here with Cam and he'll nap. So, so we go and I'm like, you've got one hour, kid, one hour. Set the watch. So we sit there and some of you look sad, like what terrible parent are you? You monster. Trust me, she's okay. And as we're sitting there, we're, we're playing, and she keeps running out into the water, and she'll dive into the water in her little life jacket. She runs back in, I love the beach, and you know, splash me, ah, that's great, love ya. That's where I wanna be, it's out here, 95 degrees with a sunburn already, here I am, you know. And uh, you know, we're having fun, and all of a sudden, after about 40 minutes, I look over and I was like, where's my stuff? Where's my shoes? Where's my phone? Where's our blankets? Where's, I got to get up out of here. Where's my stuff? And all of a sudden I realized we had drifted down quite a little ways. Not even realizing, not even recognizing that all of a sudden I looked up and I was like, those people weren't near me. Where's my stuff? Oh, it's way over there. About maybe a hundred yards. I mean, it was it was good. It's the waves. They would just slowly move you. She'd be out, and you'd just go in a little more, a little more, just following the current. And by following the current, it moved me to a place I didn't even intend to be. However, I never realized it till I started looking for the anchors on land. And when I looked for the anchors on land, I started to realize, wait a second. I'm not where I thought I was, and I never intended to be here. Where am I? And when I started to realize the anchor, I was over there. We moved our stuff over there. And we went and got our stuff. And that's why the Bible says, remove not the ancient landmarks. Why? The landmark is planted so that when we move with the current and culture and people and opinions, we can remember and say, oh, yeah, everyone else is moving that way, but 
I'm actually over there. I know, I know what my coworkers are saying, and they can say I'm small-minded, and they can say you're backwards, and you're traditional. They can make fun of me for being like Amish, I don't know, whatever. Here's what I know. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they call me. It doesn't matter. Here's what I know. They may be deceived, but one day they'll wake up and realize, where am I? I didn't realize my kids were going that direction. I didn't realize how I ended up this. They'll be confused and hurt, and they'll be in a place they never anticipated nor never intended. But then when they begin to find the landmark, they begin to say, ah, oh, that's how did I drift so far, Pastor? How did my marriage drift so far? How did my family drift so far? How did my kids drift so far? When you begin to not have a landmark, you'll begin to go to places you never met. But thank God for the landmark. Thank God for the Word of God. Thank God for hiding it in my heart that I may not sin against Him. That's why the Bible is so important. It's the landmark. That's why we understand it's not what the world says, it's what he says. That I hide the word of God in my heart so I do not sin against him. It's setting a landmark up. When people walk away, people turn their back. What do I know? I've got a landmark. I've got a spot that's anchored somewhere that does not move, it does not alter. Because when you have a landmark, it'll keep you set. When you don't know where you are, when you find a landmark, it'll begin to give you proximity of direction. I started a new job this week and I was up on top of our rooftop, trying to figure out where am I? And as I was looking around, guess what I found? The Washington Monument, it was a landmark. Oh, I know where I am. Landmark's here, that means Capitol's gotta be right over there. The White House is there, and Union Station's gotta be over there. I started to get my sense of direction. Perhaps if you don't have a sense of direction of what God's doing in your life, you need to get back to the Word of God and find some landmarks and say, where am I? God, what's my house look like? What's my life look like? What's my ambitions look like? because God is moving you in that direction. And if you are not careful, one day, when you take your last breath, or you drift towards that spot, you will encounter the thoughts, never intended it to be like this. Teenagers don't get this, but adults, young adults, can I get a witness? When you get into your mid-20s, you start to say, I would have never guessed I ended up here, doing this, living there, living this life. Can I get a witness? Somebody. All the adults, can I get a witness for the young teenagers that are here? They, they think, oh, don't worry, I've got a plan. You keep that plan, sweetie. <laughs> Honey, that's just gonna, that's so sweet. You keep on keeping on with your bad self. All the adults are nodding their heads. These sweet teenagers, they just don't know. You keep planning that. That's good. And it may work out. Hey, that's cool. But what I know is, is that youth is ignorant and they think that they are better than the plan, but life seems to have a whole different way. How do we get around that? The Word of God. It will keep us. And if you need God today, I'm here today to tell you you're in the right place to reset some landmarks. If you've never been baptized, today's your day to put a landmark in. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, today's your day to put a landmark in. Today's your day to begin to say, God, I want to put some landmarks down. 
I want to put some stuff that I can begin to say, I know the word of God. Why are those important? The Bible says in John chapter 3 and 5, except a man is born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I wish I could tell you, hey, smile and be a good person and do, you know, do, do something great and you're in good shape. No, that's not what the word of God says. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed.